Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. How many feel good? Oh, I'm glad you feel good because I have to dismiss the kids. Kids, you're dismissed. Fifth grade and under. Fifth grade and under, if you're a kindergarten and under, you need to be checked in by an adult. All right. We're going to turn the lights up for you guys. Can we get the house lights up? Happy Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. For the religious culture, Happy Resurrection Sunday. For the American culture, Happy Easter. We've had people get bent out of shape about that in the past, that we use the word Easter. Uh, what I told First Service is, um, this is one of the most celebrated holidays in the world, and especially America, and 1.6 billion chocolate bunnies will be sold for this weekend. $60 billion industry. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, if, it, if, if a chocolate bunny may get an opportunity to make Jesus famous, and be a bridge or be a connector for people to meet Jesus... I'm actually okay with it. I'm actually okay with it. I'm not worshiping the chocolate bunny like they did in VeggieTales. You guys, any VeggieTales fans in here? I'm so bummed. My kids don't like VeggieTales. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm going to pray for you and just pray deliverance over you. You have to like VeggieTales. I, I waited for the day that I could rewatch all the VeggieTales with my kids. Now they don't like them. But uh, anyway, there, there's an episode on there about the chocolate bunny. And uh, don't bow to the chocolate bunny. Uh, so anyway, just really funny. Uh, man, I, I had this thought uh, a few weeks ago, and you know, we've got our prayer and worship night coming up on Tuesday. It's one of my favorite nights of the month, and it, it's just this opportunity, and, and I know it's Easter, and I know Christmas and Easter are some of the most attended services uh, in, in America, and those two, two Sundays a year, and um, we, we tease in, in each other, calling them CNE Christians, and, and Nick, uh, when he met Tiana, uh, it was funny. They, they talk about, are you a Christian? He's like, well, I'm a CNE Christian, you know, and so we tease him particularly. But we get this opportunity every day of the year to worship Jesus, to, to wake up and, and to be thankful. And we get this opportunity. And, and I'm okay if you're just visiting today with family or to see the kids choir. We, we, we're so thankful you're here. But we get this opportunity every day to, to worship Jesus. And, and I just, I cannot get over the thought of Revelations 4. You know, all of the host of angels and all the four living creatures and the 24 elders and, and these four living creatures are just covered with eyeballs and they can't take their eyes off God because he's that good. And over and over for eternity, they're singing the same song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it never gets boring. It never gets old. It never gets awkward. It never gets dumb. It never gets these things. It's always powerful. And these creatures and these beings and the host of angels cannot take their eyes off of God because he's that good. See, Revelation was a book that was given to John in an open vision, the beloved John, because Peter was asking the questions, but John had his heart to the bosom of Jesus listening for the answer. 
So this was a love chapter. This was a love book that was not meant to, to drive people to fear and, and, and to scare the hell out of people. It was literally a book of the Bible that was written for us to experience and see a glimpse of what heaven and the majestic ability and who God really is. To me, that never gets old. And what happens is in this, in this picture and this, this goodness of God, it takes the reason they're doing this and the reason it's all these different creatures and angels and why it's for eternity is because God is so multifaceted and he's so amazing and he's so intricate and so majestic that it literally takes all of heaven worshiping him for all of eternity to actually see every perspective and worship every perspective of who he really is. I had this thought that, He's not doing anything in heaven. He's not healing the sick. There's no evangelism or, or sermons on the mount that need to be preached there. He's simply being Yahweh. He is simply being God sitting on a throne and all of heaven is focused on him. Listen, we worship him out of a true revelation of a glimpse of who he is. That's what worship is. Worship is really a portrayal in our act of submission and surrender and serving out of a revelation. The deeper our worship means the deeper our revelation of who he really is. And we're worshiping him because of who he is. And in heaven, he's not doing anything. He's not performing. He's not healing the sick or raising the dead or, or letting the lame walk. He's literally just being God. Listen, we praise him for what he does, but we get to worship him for who he is. And today, we get to worship him, even though it's Easter, even though we have dinners, even though we did Easter baskets with my kids this morning. We get to worship Jesus every day, and we get to join heaven. There is a Revelations 4 invitation every day that we get to wake up. When we go to bed at night, we get to go to sleep just thinking and turning our affection to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Isn't that a happy thought? Isn't that good? His presence is so good. His presence is the fullness of what? Joy. In his presence, there is rest. There's everything in his presence. And we get to dive and soak and be poured and just lavished in his presence and his love and just worship him for who he is. That's what today means to me. I'm worshiping God for who he is, and I'm praising God for what he's done. It's a good day, right? That was an absolute free intro that has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach today. Let's get into the message today. That was a, a little bunny trail that we went on. Listen, uh, if you weren't here the last few weeks, man, I got it. If you weren't here the last few weeks, Nicole did video announcements with Amy, and um, she kept saying, and we're going to have chicks and bunnies for you to take pictures of. I'm like, no, no bunnies. It's ducklings. So we have ducklings and chicks for you guys to take pictures of when you, when you get out of here. And, uh, and I was like, no bunnies. Well, last night, Leah came to tidy up some things at the church and check on some things. And she texts Nicole. She's like, you must have prophesied it because there was a bunny that ran up to the window. So we made it come to life. God resurrected the bunny. Anyway. All right. How many like statistics in here? How many math people do we have in here? I am. I'm kind of a math junkie. I love it. Um, it was my strong point in school. Reading definitely was not. Uh, I, I hated reading. I think I read one book all throughout high school. One book. And uh, I forget what it was called. Um, Night by Eli Weitzel or something like that. It was a great book. The only one I read in high school. Anyway, um, I, I love statistics. I love numbers. I love facts. I love searching out the truth. Do we have anybody else here that loves searching out the truth and you want to know the best thing? 
One, one Saturday, I took my daughter. I have four daughters, and I took my oldest. We share a love for cinnamon rolls, all right? Uh, as you might be able to tell, I, I like a little sweets now and again. But anyway, we shared this love for cinnamon rolls a couple years ago. We said, we are going to find the best cinnamon rolls in Ohio. So we went all through Ohio. We left the house at like 6 a.m. We hit eight spots. We had eight cinnamon rolls that day. We got back really late at night. And, and then, then we found the best cinnamon roll in Ohio. Der Dutchman. It was good. But then my friend Jerry Hirschberger's wife, Beth. Beth made us a cinnamon roll while we were staying there home in Amish country. And let me tell you, the Hirschbergers know how to make some cinnamon rolls. Then they took us to this place, this little grocery store called Miller's Grocery. And then that now has the best cinnamon roll in Ohio. Anyways, I want to find the best. One day uh, at work, I was the, before the division I'm in now, I'm, I'm a lieutenant at the fire department. And uh, before that, I was in another division. My partner and I, we were having this disagreement about what is the best ginger ale. Any, any ginger ale fans out there? Oh, man, the stuff they're coming out with now is so good. It's got like real ginger flakes in it and like burns a little. It's so good. Anyway, I went to Meyer and I went to Walmart and I bought every ginger ale that we could find and we taste tested every single one of them. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and he put Seagram's ginger ale on the earth for us to enjoy. That was the winner. Just a couple weeks ago, we took a, a couple to dinner, and, and we went to this restaurant in Dayton, and uh, we're just like, what's good on your menu? What's, what's the best thing? If we're not going to come here again, what would, we, what would you suggest we get? And they said, our wings. Our wings are amazing. They're known in the Dayton area, and they're the, voted the second best in Dayton. What's your claim to fame? Second best wings? Are you serious? And I said, well... Because I watched this movie once. I'm not going to say what it is because it's probably inappropriate now. But before I was saved, I watched this movie. And it says, if you're not first, you're last. And it says, second place is the first place loser. A couple good one-liners on that movie that I won't reference. Anyway, so I'm like, second, second best wings in Dayton? Where are the first? I got to know where the first are. And she's like, bunkers. It's bunkers. Those are the best ones in Dayton. And I'm like, well, let's just leave here now. Let's go to bunkers. There's something about me, there's something inherent in me that I just want to find the best. I want to find the facts. I want to, I want to know. So as I, as I started to press into today, I, I wanted to know, like, why the cross and the resurrection? Why, why was it the cross? And because that in itself would have been enough to forgive us of our sins and let us be in eternity in heaven with God. God, in his infinite wisdom, in his deity, in his goodness, could have done anything he wanted to connect us back to the Father. See, there was a separation from Adam and Eve, and, and many of us, we, with our theology or maybe the way we grew up, we looked at Adam and Eve being punished by being kept from the garden. Well, here's the reality. They messed up from their free will. They couldn't handle the first tree. But if they, if you read in Genesis, if they had eaten from the second tree, it would have been eternal separation from the Father. God is so loving, so kind, and such a good dad. He kept them from the garden, posted up guards so that they wouldn't come back in because they couldn't handle the first choice. He didn't want to be separated. So what he did was he devised this plan, and he loved on us so much that he sent his only begotten son. He sent him to the world to come to the earth, to feel what we feel, to experience what we experience, and then to die a gruesome death on the cross so that we could come to life in eternity in heaven with him. But then he was resurrected from the dead. He not only conquered death, hell, but also the grave. 
So he resurrected. So, so I just began to ask the Lord, what, why is this? What, what is this about? And what he began to show me was, was that the cross was for salvation. The cross is for salvation, but the resurrection is for life. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and what? Life abundantly. We're going to get into what that word life means. And he didn't come just so that we could one day, what a glorious day that might be, make it into heaven one day. He came and he conquered death, hell, and the grave, not just so that we can make it into heaven, but heaven can also make it into us. There's, this, there's these statistics, and, and, and I know it's April Fool's today, and don't be a fool. God is so real. He is so real. Don't be a fool on April Fool's Day. Let me, let me read you something. The National Science Council studied the 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. 300 prophecies. 300 predictions of Jesus coming to the earth the way he did, doing what he did while he was here, and then conquering death on the grave and resurrecting to full life again. Here's the 300. So, so they studied these, and they had scientists and mathematicians, and these people study these. And, and here's, here's what they found. So say that only eight of the 300 prophecies came to pass. Here's the odds of just eight coming to pass. How many, how many um, <laughs> you, you, you get into odds? Like you have a greater chance of being struck by lightning three times than winning the lottery. Okay? The odds are forever not in your favor. So I, I like movies in case you didn't know that. Some of you are like picking up what I'm putting down. Some of you aren't. There's these odds. If only eight of the 300 prophecies came to pass, it says this, it would be one to the 10 to the 17th power. That's one with 17 zeros behind it. Those are the same odds of eight of the 300 prophecies came to pass. Let me tell you the equivalent, the analogy of that. It's if we would dump, say this, this thing from the sky came with silver dollars. Now, we marked one silver dollar, threw it in that big hopper, and we fill up the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars. We drop a man with a parachute in the middle of Texas and said, now find the marked silver dollar two feet deep through the entire state. Those are the same equivalent to the odds if eight of the 300 prophecies came to pass. 16. Let's go 16. That If 16 predictions came to pass, 1 times 10 to the 45th power. All right, that is, if we line these silver dollars up, it would go 5.5 billion miles, two feet deep. Now, let's, let's just up the ante here. If 48 of these predictions, 48 of the prophets of old predicting the 300 things that came to pass in the New Testament, it would be if they were all electrons, if, if each one were electrons, and that is, it would be 10 to the 157th power. 48, that would, be civil, that would be equivalent to electrons. It would take over 6 billion years for us to even count those electrons. Don't be a fool on April Fool's Day. We have proven scientifically with really smart people the fact that Jesus came to the earth, it was true, and he did it in such a manner that scientists are proving the most proven fact in history and have studied this more than anything scientifically they've ever studied. How many are in agreement with the scientists that God is so real? He's so alive and he's so good. So what I like about this is tying in the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
So, so there's a verse in the Bible. Let's, if, if you turn there, fine. If not, it'll be on the screen. Matthew 5.17. It says this. It says, and this is NIV. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. But he says, I have not come to abolish them, but I've come to fulfill them. God didn't come to, to say what they said was wrong. He didn't come to say what the predictions were wrong. Listen, he literally came to be a living proof that it was all right. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to do away with the law. I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. I came to become them. I came be, to become the prophecies of the 300 predictions. Isaiah says this. We'll just jump right into this. Are you good? Are you thinking about ham and potato salads yet? I know I am. I'm not going to lie about it. Isaiah 53.5 says this, NLT. But he was pierced for our, this is the prophet Isaiah. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This is the prophet saying this is what's going to happen. So Luke 4.18, Jesus is speaking and he's quoting, he's referencing. He has now become what the prophet Isaiah said in 61.1. And Luke 4.18 says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set all at liberty those who are oppressed. Does this look like something that is just a ticket to heaven? Does it, or, or is it actually exposing the Father of, no, I didn't come just so that you can make it into heaven. I came so heaven can make it into you. I came that you can walk in life and life abundantly. I came that so that you could full on be whole healed, whole and wholesome, so that you can walk in the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace, the fullness of freedom. I've come to set the captives free. We, we so often diminish the cross to just salvation. We, we, we diminish this story to just salvation. Now, that is the greatest gift. That is the greatest point of the cross. That is the greatest thing that we could celebrate this weekend. All of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents and accepts the plan of salvation in a born-again experience. All of heaven. Angels throw a party for that. So listen, I'm not diminishing that, but that's not all that it is. He not only died so that you can make it in heaven, he died to welcome you into a loving family and to the fullness of life. It would be a really boring movie. Anybody ever, uh, like you watch a movie and the end is just terrible? And you're like, why did I watch that whole, what a, what a letdown. If God had just stopped at the cross, yes, we would have made it into heaven, but it wouldn't have been life-giving, demonstrating that we too, who are dead to sin, will come alive in Christ as new creatures. It would have been the cliffhanger at the end. Did they get together? Did he get that role? Right? In the movie. But Jesus ends the story not just with dying on the cross, but rising again with an open invitation for eternity to welcome everybody into life, eternal life, and life abundantly. Let, let, me, let me move on here. Zoe, the, the life in John 10.10. 10. He came to give life and life abundantly. Again, I love to research things out. I love to see what is the context of this. Why does it repeat it? And the word, the Greek word used for this context is, is Zoe. And I want to read you the definition. The Greek definition is possessed by God, 
of the absolute fullness of life, real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. Now, when I read John 10.10, 10, it comes to new meaning to me that it's not just a heaven ticket. It's, it's I get to live a life on earth, possessed by God, of the absolute fullness of life and genuine, and a, a life vigorous and active, a life devoted to God and blessed. I love that invitation for life. I love that Jesus says, I came to set captives free. Let, let, me, let me go on here. The same word Zoe meaning fullness of life, vigor, life, full of God, possessed by God. I want to be possessed. Not demon-possessed. Isn't it how often we've heard and we joke around or, or we've heard the context of being demon-possessed? When's the last time you heard somebody say, well, they're God-possessed? It's not common in our language. I want to be God-possessed to the fullness of life. In Genesis 2.9 the same exact Greek word Zoe is mentioned talking about the tree of life. The garden was meant to be this paradise, this invitation, this, this place of harmony and peace and unity and the goodness of the Father which is Adam and Eve and him. So they had this tree of Zoe, this tree of life. And then when you go back to, to Revelations 22:14, it's talking about eternity in the end, again referencing the same tree of Zoe. The same tree of life. So it is no lie that from the beginning of the word to the end of the word, from the beginning of the story, from the beginning of creation to the end times, to the end, that God is obsessed with you being full of life. So much so that right in the middle of the story to connect you back to the Father, he planted a tree on Calvary and he died on it so that we could have and inherit a Zoe life. This is how much... He cares and wants us. He doesn't just want us to join him in heaven one day. He wants to join us on earth today. It says, Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. When I think of glory, I think of everything of heaven. Listen, from the beginning to the end and dying on the cross, a tree in the middle, God is consumed and contending for you not just to have eternal life, but life abundantly, a Zoe life. Let me, let, me, let me say this one more thing. The Lord's Prayer. As we read several times, not only did God say pray like this, he said pray this. And it starts off with this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come on earth, where? As it is in heaven. This is not just the life that we can inherit one day when we die or he returns to make it into heaven. This is also a life to where we can walk heaven on earth now, experiencing the fullness of Zoe, the fullness of life, the abundant life possessed by God. Pray this prayer. Pray this. Declare this. Ask me for this, is what he's saying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there illness in heaven? Is there divorce in heaven? Is there bankruptcy in heaven? Is there depression or oppression in heaven? Oh, total freedom. It's an invitation to an abundant life here on earth with Christ in us, the hope of glory. It doesn't mean bad things won't come. I just believe there's no such thing as good days and bad days, just grace days. Some days you just need a little more grace than other days. But when you have Jesus in you, it's grace days. Let me move on. Luke 19.10 says this. 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come 
to seek and save that which was lost. Two parts I want to focus on here. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's not just who. A lot of times we interpret that he came to save the lost. Yeah, he also came to save that which was lost. And let me, let me break it down for you. Again, the word in this context is the word sozo, save. Save is sozo. In the Greek, the, the actual original context says sozo, to seek and sozo that which was lost. The word sozo is used 110 times in the word. And when it's, its context and its definition is actually saved, healed, and delivered. It's not just salvation. That's amazing. How many love to know that our assurance is in Christ in heaven? <laughs> Come on. But it's saved, healed, and delivered. So, so he came to seek and save that which might need saved, healed, or delivered. He came to seek and save that which might be lost. Maybe I've lost my joy and my fun. Maybe I've lost the peace. Maybe I've lost part of, of a relationship. That's reconciliation. There's all these things. What is the that? We can fill in today that he is the resurrected God bringing resurrecting life to every situation that is the that. He didn't just die on a cross and resurrect from the dead so that we can meander through life and look terrible and life's just so bad. He's resurrected. The tomb is empty. Totally empty. We cannot visit a pyramid with Jesus in it. We can't visit a monument or a tomb or a, a graveside with Jesus in it. He is alive. Therefore, my promise is that I get to be alive on earth and in heaven. Life there and life abundantly. It's the Zoe life. Let me, let me go through a couple more. Matthew one twenty one NLT says, and she will have a son. This is to Mary. Mary, this is the beginning of Matthew. She will have a son, and, and you will call him by the name Jesus, for he will save, in this context, sozo. He will sozo his people from their sins. He will save them, heal them, and deliver them from anything that doesn't please God and anything they should be doing that does please God. That's sin. Let's go on. John 3, 16 through 17. I can't get through an Easter service without quoting John 3, 16. Oh, come on, we won't be Christians if that was the case. Sorry, I don't know what I slipped into there, but I won't do it again. We can't leave it at 16 because 17 is so critical and crucial to the promise of the God that we serve. It says this, for God so loved the world. The world in this context means cosmos. It's the word cosmos, which means everyone and everything within it. Yep, even them Islam people. I, I promise I wouldn't do that. So sorry. Even the Muslims, the Buddhists, the Hindu, the people that we don't agree with, the lifestyles we don't agree with. He so loved the world. It's time we stop trying to change people and we lead them to an encounter with the God who can transform them. There has been way too many hypocrites and people representing a false God of who he really isn't. Listen, God is not just a judge. He's a loving father and a friend and a Messiah and a creator and a counselor and the prince of peace. Over 550 attributes and titles in which he is. But yet we like to only portray a judgment God. Why? Because that used to work getting people into the church in numbers. Getting them saved into the altars. 
How about we expose them to an encounter with a loving God who is actually powerful enough to transform their lives, their mindsets, their belief systems, and their lifestyles? Okay. That he gave his only one, one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, here we go. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save, again, the context, sozo. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but to sozo the world through him. Listen, today, Micah's going to come up and close here in just a minute. This is an invitation, not just for heaven. We're going to give you that opportunity. There, there might be people sitting in here today that's never accepted Jesus into their heart as their Savior and Lord. We don't want to miss this opportunity. That will be the greatest seed, the greatest decision, the greatest choice of your life. And you will not regret it, I promise. But then we're also going to give an opportunity to those who have accepted Christ, but maybe you've, you've lost that, something. And it's going to be an invitation to life abundantly, an, an overwhelming feeling of being possessed by God. Let me, let me wrap this up here. The band can come and we'll get Micah here in just a second. A fulfilled life, a fulfilled Zoe life is actually life in the Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says this, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life, Zoe, to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Listen, this is the Spirit being promised, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that's promised to you. It's the same spirit that was promised to be poured out. Let's go to Acts 2, 17. And, and this is just an amazing thing. Again, connecting the prophecies to the fulfillments. So Acts 2, 17 references the prophet Joel from Joel 2, 28. And it says this. It says, now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And 17 says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. It says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Listen, this was a promise that, that Jesus says, listen, I'm coming, but somebody's coming greater than me. He said, somebody to comfort, somebody, somebody that, that, that will bring something greater than me. And then he's prophesying this in Joel, and then all of a sudden the fulfillment. So he's up on the cross. He's pinned up on that cross, and the soldier takes the spear and pierces his side to his heart. And what pours out is, is blood and water. This is significant because it wasn't just the blood covering for the forgiveness of sins. It wasn't just the bloodshed that got you your, your inheritance of heaven and the cleansing in the covenant of the blood. It was also water that poured out, signifying he will be poured out on all flesh. He's pouring out. Water represents Holy Spirit. So here, as he's on the cross, the fulfillment is taking place to where, listen, he, now the one who he's promised is, is here, and he's being poured out. So not only the blood covenant, but now the water promise of the Holy Spirit. Yay. Yay. I now get to walk in a fulfilled life, not just to try to be good to make it into heaven. I get to walk in a fulfilled, Zoe-filled life possessed by God, walking in all of his attributes. I like to have fun. Lots of fun. Christians can have fun. 
I like to dance on a Wii. Like seriously, we we party here at Upper Room. We have a painting that we that we got. It's called Party in the Upper Room. It's like this guitar dude doing the splits, and it's it defines who we are. Like there was a party in the upper room when the spirit was was manifested and poured out. This was the promise fulfilled. I'd be doing an injustice to you only to sell you salvation. God is offering an abundant life. Micah, come. Ben, you guys can, can come. God loves us so much that he not only wants to spend eternity with us, he wants to walk with us on the earth. He, he not only wants us to be saved, but he wants us to be a fulfilled life, fulfilling our purpose. Like, listen, you, you aren't trash. God wouldn't have died for trash. He also didn't die to make you valuable. He died because of your value, because you're valuable. <laughs> like, he loves you. He, he uniquely created each one of you. Each one of you are here with a purpose. And the greatest thing that you could do in your life is choose Jesus and choose the plan that he's offered you that is so free and so available today. But here's the deal. He created you uniquely different than any person and human being in the entire earth so that you could fulfill the destiny that he's placed on your life. That's amazing. Like he uniquely created you as a beautiful son or a beautiful daughter to walk in the fullness of his glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, a Zoe life. Amen. You ready, buddy? All right. I'm going to cut Micah loose here for a few minutes. Come on. Man, give it up for Pastor Aaron. This powerful word. Yeah, come on. You know, here's the thing today. I really feel like there's one call, two responses that the Lord is after in your heart. Is How many of you know that our hearts are laid bare before the Lord? He sees, he knows, and he loves. And there's a call today for to step into that Zoe life, to step into the abundant life that Jesus purchased on the cross. And then when he rose from the dead, he provided it. He was the first one born into new life so we could all be born into new life. And this is the call. This is literally God's heart for humanity, for you in this room as you're sitting here. His desire, his intention, he, we want to see him get what he paid for. We want to see Jesus get the reward of his suffering and the reward of his resurrection. And that reward is you walking in abundant life, walking in the fullness of that Zoe life. So there's two calls, and I want you to stand with me. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way and the life. He is the way to life. He is the way. In the Bible, it says that Jesus became sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus died on a bloody cross to pay the wage for our sin, and then he rose from the dead so that we could rise into a new life where it would look like we had never sinned where it would look like we were literally pure and perfect before a, a holy God. And I want to make an invitation. I feel like maybe there's somebody here, maybe you're in this room right now, and you've never actually said yes to Jesus. You've never actually ever before stepped into that abundant life that he made available. He is that life. And God is pulling and he's knocking at your heart today.
He's knocking at your heart. And he's saying, come and know me. Come and know me. Let me in. There is no other place where life can be found other than in Jesus. There is no other place, no other place but Jesus. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe, and if you're, and you're here and you're in this room and you're hearing my voice and you're saying, there's something pulling in your heart. Maybe you've, you knew the Lord as a child. Maybe you, I feel like there's somebody in here, you knew the Lord as a kid, but you really, you found yourself, you've walked away. And the Lord is calling you today and he's saying, come and know me. Come and receive eternal life. Come find freedom from every sin and every bondage. And I want you to raise your hand up right now really high. And you're saying, I want Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Just raise your hand up really high. Come on. Come on. I see you. That's awesome. There's more in here. Uh, The Lord is knocking at your heart. Come on. He's saying, I love you. I love you. His arms are open wide like down the cross. He's saying, I love you. I love you. I, all, all I have for you is an embrace. All I have for you is my love and my kindness. All I have for you is this life and life abundantly. Maybe you don't feel like you're qualified for that. Maybe if you're, in your mind you're thinking, you know, I've done too much. I, I, I'm not clean. Look, you don't need to clean yourself to take a shower. You take a shower to get clean. Jesus is the shower. I want to make one more invitation. If you want to say yes to Jesus, you're saying, I want to receive that abundant life today. Raise your hand up really high. Come on. That's awesome. Jesus, come on. Well, pray this with me. We're going to pray this together. Say this. Say, Jesus, thank you that you love me and you've been pursuing me my whole life. I receive freedom from sin in you. I receive the abundant life in you right now. I call you the Lord and the Savior of my life. And say this with me. Say, come and fill me with your presence. Come on. Let's give a shout to Jesus. Come on. You know, I saw a couple of you responding. If that, if you prayed that for the first time, or even if you're coming home, man, welcome home. We love you. We're so proud of you. That's the best thing that you could ever do is surrender your heart to Jesus. Best thing. Now for the rest of us, and now for you included, because you're brought into the family. The Lord intends for us as believers to walk in this fullness of life. And maybe you feel like, was, as Aaron was preaching, maybe you felt this thing of like, you know, I've lost my peace. I've lost my joy. I've felt depression or I've felt anxiety. I don't feel like I'm living in that full life that God intends for me. Maybe you feel like you're, you've come in this room and you have sickness in your body. Well, Jesus rose from the dead to deal with the sickness. So if you have, I want to give a response. If you would raise your hand, if you're saying, you know what, I need healing in my body. I need physical healing in my body. I need this fullness of life. I feel like I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. Would you just raise your hand because we're going to pray for you today. Come on. Come on, that's awesome. My hand's up. My hand's up. (laughs) Come on. I want more of that life. Well, let's pray. Can you guys put your hand on the person next to you? 
just pray that they would experience this abundant life from heaven. This abundant life from heaven. Pray that they would literally walk in the fullness of this life, the fullness of joy, the fullness of his presence. That it would be, they would be above and not below. Lord, right now we are declaring over every single person, every single heart in this room, God, that you would get the reward that you deserve. We're declaring abundant life. We're declaring literally depression broken, anxiety broken in this room. Abundance of joy, abundance of peace. We're commanding every single body that is broken to be made whole in this room right now in the, G in the name of Jesus Christ. Every pain, every ailment, leave in Jesus' name. Leave in Jesus' name. Pain go, healing flow. Emotional healing, emotional healing in Jesus' name in this room. God, heal broken hearts. Bind up broken hearts. Bind up the wounded. Ab abundant life. Life, life, life. close with with this prayer i want us to all lift up the, a shout to the name of jesus let's shout the name of jesus on three together because he's alive one two three importantly than anything, we hope God's encountered you in some special way, the way you need it, not the way we've experienced it or, or your mom or your dad or, or your loved one, but the way you need to experience it. So we just, we wish you a happy resurrection and Easter Sunday. We love you. We hope you come back next week. Michael will be preaching next week. So come join us. Make this a, a weekly thing with your family and us. We love you. Have an amazing day. Jesus is alive. <laughs>